For Monday, January 17, the 17th day of 2022, there are 348 days left in the year. Good morning, MB. Guiding you through In the Know at K105. On Litchfield's Country Station, 103.9 The Moose. Live online at K105.com via the Apple and Android smartphone app using the SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify podcast. On Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. And the hashtag is in the know. Coming up today, we'll update you on the latest news headlines from around the community, the county, the Commonwealth, and the country. Plus, we'll be joined by Owensboro Health Twin Lakes Medical Center CEO Ashley Harrington. That and a whole lot more coming up today here on in the know. Settling into my left, rolling Mach 9 with her hair on fire. With my beautiful wife, the beautiful girl. Good morning, sweetheart. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good. Happy snow day to you. Well, yeah. Happy uh, MLK Day to you. Yes, I like that one better. Uh, you got your snow boots on today. I do. Uh, and I meant to change them to my other shoes, but yeah. I haven't done it yet. But these have fur on them, so you like know, them right? okay. Hey, you have a, you've been known to take a cast iron skillet and season them from time to time. You kind of like yes. the old school mm-hmm. cast iron skillets. Yep. Uh, in Tennessee... Uh, a few days ago, you uh, drivers in Tennessee may have seen on the back of a truck the largest cast iron skillet in the world. It's the world's largest, 14,360 pounds. It took an entire flatbed tractor trailer truck to drive it, and it's on its way to the South Pittsburgh Lodge Cast Iron Store, which is home of the Lodge Cast Iron Museum. It's in southern Tennessee. I think it's along the Georgia border. I mean that's awesome, yeah. but I would hate to have to like season that. It would take and a clean it. it would take a while to get yeah. it seasoned, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean you could you'd be up for the task. I'd like to see the oven that that uh, type <laughs> of thing would go in. He is a five time winner of the coveted Ohio NewsHawk Award. He's a two time Silver Sound nominee, covering every corner of the globe: London, Moscow, Paris, and even Litchfield. He's Sam Gormley, and the Sparks. Morning, Sam. Morning, Ralph. How you doing? Good. How are you? I, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't sure you'd be able to talk today. <laughs> it uh, yesterday was a struggle. Yeah, yesterday you, was a struggle. Did you have to use lots of uh, lemon and honey? I, and, I did not. Uh, it was. Uh, it. I don't even know what it was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, so for those of you that don't know, Sam was in Cincinnati for the playoff game. I was on uh, Saturday afternoon after being in Cougar Gym on Friday night. Uh, so pretty happy with the outcome, suffice to say. That is probably the biggest understatement you've ever mentioned. Yeah. As I mean, you got to think it's 30. I've never experienced that in my entire life. I've been out of high school less than a year the last time the Bengals January played. January uh, of 1991. The, the last time that they won a playoff game. So uh, It was the longest streak in professional sports. <laughs> it, wow. uh, it, it was, <laughs> to say it was a party would be an understatement because, I mean, people... <laughs> It, it it was unbelievable. There's yeah. no other way to put it. I mean, 31 years of pent up, you know, um, excitement all coming and, out and it, of, uh, at at one time. So. Everybody thought it was about to all go down again once uh, <laughs> the Raiders were on a drive. <laughs> it did get touch and go there. We'll talk more about it coming up uh, today. You may have, depending upon where you are, you may have more snow than your neighbors. We dodged a, a big bullet 
if the, you're all to the south and the east of us, you have more snow. We, I said on Friday we were in the elbow, and so the elbow dipped just south of us. And we got, uh, you know, I just got a half inch of snow, a quarter inch of snow, a coating of snow. Uh, we had a little, you know, little icy precipitation early yesterday, but nothing that amounts to much. But it's windy. It has been windy, and that's going to kind of be uh, the temperature is going to stay you know, kind of yucky today, and then gets a little better tomorrow. And then on Wednesday will be another mild day with highs in the 40s, but rain showers will push into the region, maybe a half inch of rain on Wednesday. But uh, but thank you, Lord, that it will come to our area in the form of rain and not in the form of snow. But between now and then, we'll say uh, cloudy and a high of 35 for your MLK day. Decreasing clouds 26 tonight, partly cloudy tomorrow, and a high of 48 again kind of dodge the bullet because you look across the southeast where if you think we don't do snow well the further south you go they do snow more poorly but uh, high winds ice through parts of the u.s southeast yesterday georgia north carolina south carolina even portions of northern florida had winter weather yesterday obviously above the frost line but it was kind of a um Kind of a yucky kind of weekend. The first lady of the United States, Dr. Jill Biden, was in Bowling Green on Friday. Her delayed uh, her visit had been delayed from the previous week, but uh, she visited the tornado-ravaged neighborhood in Kentucky on Friday to meet with residents and local leaders. The Bowling Green neighborhood was one of several areas hit hard December 10, and the uh, neighborhood includes Moss Creek Avenue, a street where 11 people died during the storm. She met with some residents along the street and... Of course, the governor was there and you know, other, other dignitaries there to greet and welcome the First Lady of the United States. I was trying to – was um, uh, Melania Trump was, was not ever in Kentucky, I'm pretty sure. Uh, certainly not on an official visit mm-hmm. like from an ambassadorial role. So I, I, I don't know all of her comings and goings, so I can't say. But I know we never had a news story that said, hey, the first lady is coming to um, to Kentucky to give a speech. I don't know that First Lady Obama was here. I don't necessarily know. So we don't we don't often get presidential visits and f- less frequently do we get first lady visits. Uh, COVID-19 Grayson County Health Department reported on Saturday nearly 200 new cases over a 48-hour period, and hospitalizations due to the virus had doubled over a three-day period. There were 196 new cases diagnosed between Thursday night and Saturday morning. Uh, no new deaths con- uh, confirmed during that time, so that's uh, helpful. I also uh, saw yesterday, uh, maybe late last night, that the testing at the Grayson County Fairgrounds was delayed in starting today until 10 o'clock. So if you're with us live You've got another 45 minutes. I think that had been starting at 8, and today wasn't going to start until 10 o'clock was the information that uh, we received from the Grayson County Health Department. The Grayson County Sheriff's Office and the LPD collaborated on uh, late last week to apprehend one of the persons on the Grayson County Sheriff's Office most wanted. A 25-year-old Christian goose tree was arrested Friday morning. About 8.30 by uh, Grayson County Sheriff Norman Chaffins and LPD Officer D.J. Newton. The suspect was involved in a minor traffic accident in 1300 block of Elizabethtown Road. Uh, according um, According to the sheriff, he walked away from the accident, but the sheriff spotted him walking next to a residence across from American Legion Post 81, fled on foot, was later captured, and then uh, obviously booked on the charges that he was wanted for prior. The weekend... Well, the the weekend in earnest, Saturday morning, got off to uh, a start here in the Commonwealth with the news that uh, Joe B. Hall, a national title winning coach at the University of Kentucky, and I believe the only person to, well, I know the only person to both play and win a national championship as a Kentucky Wildcat, and to coach and win a national championship as a Kentucky Wildcat, the pride of Cynthiana, Kentucky, and um, passed at age 93. Coach Hall had been in poor health uh, as of as of late, but, uh, you know, hard to, hard to feel shortchanged about 93 years, but uh, sad to hear of the passing nonetheless. And um, that just kind of... 
set into motion, you know, a day of uh, obviously uh, mourning and tribute and looking back at Coach Hall and his impact, but then it paved the way for just a huge victory for the men's basketball team on um, on Saturday afternoon. They're firing on all cylinders. I, I don't know that you'll see a better game played. Um, you know, I like just, everything K- came together. Kyle came out and went a one three one zone, which was Coach loved Hall's yeah, thing. It. And Coach Hall always had a program in his rolled up program in his hand. So Kyle said that he's going to do that the rest of the year because that's one thing. Kyle Tucker had a really good article in the Athletic about it and said that Rick Pitino really wanted nothing to do with Joby Hall. Yeah, but uh, Cal, that was when he got here. That was one of the first things that he did. And and Kyle Tucker said that that was not a like a a political move. You know, look at me reaching out like that. That was a legitimate friendship between mm-hmm. those two. Well, I was thinking about that as well. That um, it shows you just the difference. And and I don't want to make this about Patino and Cal. It does ta- it does show you the differences in their approaches to humanity and who they are and where they were raised. Coach Cal was raised in Western PA, which is a lot of like where Coach Hall was raised in Cynthiana and more rural portions of Kentucky. Rick Pitino was raised in New York. You know, they're just kind of, you know, they're not, they're not, they're they're not hospitable in the same way. But I did like that Cal signaled a change that Coach Hall had sort of been relegated to. You know, the the history, the annals of history, and Coach Cal made him a central figure in, you know, invited him to practice and all. And so I just... Um, it was good, too. I heard last night I was listening to some of Jack Gibbons' comments on it. And I don't know if you heard, he said that he saw him the day before he passed. He went uh, to the to the wherever he was. And uh, he the nurse was trying to get him to eat. And uh, he wasn't eating, and, and Jack Gibbons says that he told him, he says, now, Coach, if you don't eat, you're going to have to get up and start running walls. <laughs> he said that that was always their punishment. And he says that kind of yeah. got a little smile on him, and he said that's going to be the memory that, that lives on with him. There was a period, and, and I will tell you that during those of us who maybe came of age during the Patino era at Kentucky, so the 91, 92, 93, you know, all the way through that stretch, uh, through the late 90s, I think there was a period of time where many of us who are now, you know, 40s and 50s also didn't have the level of appreciation for Coach Hall that we needed because really we were too young. You know, when he won the title in 78, I was just seven years old. And so while I knew like, hey, that's great, I also remember the later years of Coach Hall. And so it's taken me, it's really taken Coach Cal for me to figure out the level of respect that Coach Hall deserves for the role that he played. Because we talk about following a legend. The people who have the inauspicious task of trying to follow a legend, he did it, and he did it successfully. So uh, rest in peace to uh, Coach Hall. And then just what a better way to pay tribute than hanging 107 points on a team on a university that Coach Hall did not like at all. And the thing is, Tennessee played well. Mm Mm-hmm. Kentucky just played uh, lights out. And then it got better as the day went for you, Sam. Uh, Bengals held on and finally won in the playoffs with a 26-19 victory over the Raiders. Um, did you hear a whistle? At the state, <laughs> You couldn't hear anything at the stadium. And, you know, I, we, we don't need to get into that because <laughs> we don't. To, uh, in 2015 or the 2015-16 game against the Steelers, the NFL came out later and said that the Steelers were awarded a touchdown that shouldn't have been, been awarded. So, so Bengal fans were like, okay, we're even. Settling of we're the even score. now. And, and you know what I say now is bring on the Titans. Yeah. Bring yeah, on so the Titans. It's, it's, uh, it's, but, hey, I'm, I'm – Whatever happens, happens. I'm very, very going to be an exciting week heading into the divisional week. And then uh, the Bills became the first team in NFL, NFL history to pitch what they call a perfect offense in the uh, playoff game over the Patriots. Patriots were just no match. The Bills scored a touchdown on all seven offensive drives, excluding you know the kneel down. Mm-hmm. And they averaged 12.3 yards per pass, six yards per rush. They didn't take a sack. They went six for seven on third down. They had more touchdown passes than incompletions. They gained 49 of, uh, yards on 49 of 51 plays. It's hard to argue with the with the what the Bills had going on. It Poor was, clam chowder. It was cold. Yeah, no no clam chowder uh, on the Super Bowl menu. Then Tom Brady. Threw for two touchdowns, and the uh, Buccaneers dominated the Eagles yesterday, thirty-one to fifteen. Then uh, Rice Aroni sent uh, the Cowboys home. Whew, that was a weird end to that game. Um, 
clock management. What was Dak Prescott thinking? I don't know. Running it to was, the middle uh, of the field. There's no weird. timeouts. And then I guess he thought he was going to have enough time to get a spike down, but uh, he, they didn't get the ball spotted. And I don't know. It's kind of weird. Then the Chiefs ended the Steelers season. You love to see it. And you yeah, love to I, see I'm it. not liking this. And Ben Roethlisberger's career, <laughs> most most likely. You love to see it. That's if you're if you're Sam, you love to see it. Others, oh, America, don't, don't love America to see loves it. to see it. She's America, and she doesn't like to see it. So. Well, you know not what? At all. You know what? Uh, NFL. You know what? AFC North team has gone the longest without winning a playoff game, right? The Steelers, Pittsburgh Steelers. Huh. Uh, it it's was only not been a two good, days since the Bengals won. It was not a good weekend. Since the, it was not a good weekend. Hey, I had to hear the eleven thousand. No one's ever sent a text message. You know, I had to hear all those jokes. Uh, not from me. You know, I know, I but I've, I've heard them from, from everyone. Don't be throwing shade at me. I'm not, I'm I'm, it's a collective, a collective you. North Texas edged Western sixty-five to sixty. Western's got problems right now. Um, but the good thing for Western is they don't have as big a problems as U of L. The skid continued for they calling themselves lost, or at least Malik Williams says I think we're lost as a group right now. And um, the the Cards lost to Pitt sixty five fifty three. They and the thing is they really can't do anything about it. You know they're sort of stuck with Mac right now. I think so. Not that they necessarily would do any, do anything about it, but Pitt's a bad team. So maybe they can get things going. And then Cougars got a really fine win on Friday night inside Cougar Gym, Sam. It was uh, 67-65. Uh, Keegan Sharp had a game-winning shot with 2.9 seconds on the clock. Uh, it was a great game because they were winning by 14 points early in the second half, but Butler County stormed back, and it was a good game. It's a very good game. Lady Cougars lost in, in the opening game of the of the doubleheader, but... It was a great second game. Butler County was kind of favored to win the district, right? So no, Butler but County girls, is not, no, girls, no, the were. girls are not. Yes, the boys, boys no. The, right. the Cougars would be favored to repeat. All right, so uh, but it's at Butler County, so I mean, yeah. I'm not. It's those are the one and two best teams. Stranger things have happened in Butler County. <laughs> we got to get to a break. Ashley Harrington is the CEO of Owensboro Health Twin Lakes Medical Center, and she joins us for a conversation coming up here on In the Know. Today is MLK Jr. Day, of course. It is also Benjamin Franklin Day today. Benjamin Franklin was born on this date, and it's also Blue Monday. This is supposedly the part of January where you turn blue because your credit card bills show up. You're far <laughs> enough away from the Christmas season that your, you know, your euphoria has waned, and now winter is here. But we're not blue. We're excited today because we say good morning and welcome. To the CEO of Owensboro Health Twin Lakes Medical Center, Miss Ashley Harrington. Good morning and welcome. Good morning. Thank good, you for having me. Good to see you. Um, I know you're very busy, and so taking the fact that you take some time to visit with us is is very important. And I know you have some important information. Um, you, this is your second tour of duty at uh, the campus here in Litchfield. You were here prior, and in what role? Yes, I'm very excited to be back at Twin Lakes. Um, I was here as the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer, from 2017 to 2019. And then I came back in my current role of CEO at the beginning of 2021 when we officially joined Owensboro Health. Did you go, you went to Alabama for a while? I did. Possibly? I did. We were in Birmingham, Alabama, okay. um, kind of in the interim period um, of 2020. So from 2019 to 20, like early in 2021, that's when you learned everything in Alabama you needed to know that's the difference between CFO and CEO, yes? Uh, I'm not not so <laughs> sure I would say that, but i um, excited to be back here in Grayson County and at, at the hospital. Um, well, it's an exciting time because, you know, this is a it's not it's not a, a, a transition that takes just a few days or a few months. It's a you know, it's a transition that certainly is a growing process and learning the community and the community community learning the new uh, people that are involved. But you're right here kind of at the intersection of a very uh, important time. We've been hearing messaging about your community health needs assessment, and that's uh, that's a word that has lots of syllables to it. But how how would you summarize and describe what the assessment is? 
So the, assess- the assessment is very important for us at the hospital. Um, it is a, a systematic collection of health needs and information that, that we gather, and then it allows us to kind of determine what's needed um, in the community, what we're currently working on, if, if it's working, uh, opportunities for improvement, and if past uh, strategies have, have been successful. I, I've heard and you've, your messaging is already talking about a survey that we can participate in as the community, but it's not just as simple as a survey. There are more complex portions to that. What are the components to it? That's correct. Uh, the assessment assist, uh, consists of three separate components. There is the survey, so that's the community survey. There's also focus groups and then personal interviews. Okay, so the assessment um, – what what are we what are we trying to learn with the assessment in in general? Like uh, I mean, it's uh, it's kind of a no brainer. Communities need health care and they need good health care. But what does the assessment actually help us deduce? The assessment looks at a number of different factors as far as health uh, needs and and population needs. Um, import the survey is a very important component of it because it allows us to get information directly from Grayson County residents. So it's not just our best guess of what, you know, we feel like are the most important issues, but it comes directly from Grayson Countyans, and that's why we encourage folks to participate in the survey. So the survey is the engagement of the community on the whole, the, the citizenry, if you will, uh, your, your customers, if you will, that you're serving. But there surely are some other stakeholders around the proverbial table of the assessment. Who else are you engaging in this process? So we work directly with our population health committee. Um, We've had a population health committee at the hospital for a number of years now, and we work directly with that group. That includes a number of different community partners that we work with. Um, It includes uh, members from the school district, from the health department, a number of community resources, and we, we've got a diverse group there so we can get a better picture of the health of the community, not just from the hospital's perspective, but from, you know, the community at large. It's funny, in advance of your arrival, uh, some of those community partners that you're referring to have uh, sort of taken the proactive step to remind when they have an opportunity. Josh Horton was with us last week, and he you know, he mentioned, I just heard that commercial during the break, and I want to remind everybody to take the survey. Uh, your, your friends at the Extension office have, have been here to you know, advocate for the importance of participating in the survey. Beyond the survey and beyond those partners, are there any, are there any partners or resources beyond Grayson County that you engage, be they university or research or others? There are. Um, we work with the University of Kentucky, specifically CEDIC, um, which is the um, Community and uh, Education Development Initiative uh, of Kentucky. And so we work with them. They assist us in um, facilitating the survey. I guess the strength, they have sort of the technical know-how and the, the strength and the platforms that you can, you know, they've done the heavy lifting of sorts where you aren't really having to invent the wheel. I guess it gives you a very strength in numbers type of approach. It does. It helps us. Uh, they help us develop the survey. They help us prioritize what we're going to focus on in the, in the groups and the uh, interview processes. And additionally, they're unbiased. So that's an important component, I think, for us to have an unbiased partner to work with in this process. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the community partners. Just want to say a shout out to all of the the folks who participate on that population health committee because that's a very important part of this. Is that it's not just the hospital conducting the survey, but we do work with our partners in the community, and they are fabulous. I, I saw on a note um, the the frequency in which you all do these assessments. I think they're on a three-year cycle. That's Is that correct. right? Yes. And so when I think of these three-year cycles and talking about, you know, where where we are today in January of 2022, and the last time you went through this cycle of the assessment, it just, it, it, I mean, it, it hits me like a ton of bricks on what we didn't have three years ago in this process that we now have that I would imagine is going to have a huge impact on the the forward vision of healthcare needs in our community. Are you expecting there to be a major left turn or a huge difference in the assessment that you did three years ago? 
you know, we're we're not sure. Um, I think that's part of the reason why you go through this process. But I do expect that, I mean, obviously you can't talk about what's happened over the last three years without thinking about COVID and its impact on healthcare in, in general and in the community. And I think that we will see some of that impact on the survey results. But I think the the core components that we identify, um, I'm not sure that, that those will change. But I think COVID just has had such an impact on all of our lives and how we we do things on a daily basis. And, and you know, obviously in healthcare, it's it's had a tremendous impact. So I, I think that will you will we'll see that, I believe, at least somewhat in the results of the assessment. Yeah, and it kind of helps you, you know, craft a vision for how do we how do we recover from this, if you will, if there's such a thing as a recovery. But, you know, one of the things that I've really noticed, uh, we, we were already doing this a little bit, but I think that the pandemic really kind of solidified or, or, or gave sent us a long way down the road to removing some of the stigma over mental health issues. It's, you know, vaccinations are one thing, testing positive are one thing, you know, social distancing and masking and that type. Those are all part of the calculus of COVID. But what is harder to figure out is the mental effect and the long-term mental stress as a result. I would imagine you all see that coming more into focus in the coming years. I, I think you're absolutely correct. And there are some specific questions in the survey that a look at the impacts of COVID, uh, both short-term effects of it as far as access to care and then, and like you mentioned, the longer-term impacts of, of COVID. So yeah, I, I think um, we're, it's the timing of this is, is interesting coming, you know, um, kind of on the heels of some of the surges. Of course, we're obviously in a, in a surge currently, but I, I, COVID will have a, no question have an impact on, on this survey. I try to be a good sport when I engage with, with vendors uh, or people seeking information, you know, whether you do a phone call and they say at the end of the at the end of this call there'll be a survey and it helps us improve this, or you know, you get a hey, there's a fifty dollars certificate if you'll take this survey and and I, and I do that and I think okay, well I'll try and help out and the next thing I know I'm twenty minutes into it and I got like all this minutia questions and I think why did I do this? Is this one of those types of surveys or is this easy breezy survey? Um, it's not one of those types of surveys. It should take about three to five minutes. To complete, okay. so it's it's relatively short. Um, it's going to ask you questions about you know think topics like access to care, um, you know information about your your health choices and health needs. So it's it's a it's a relatively simple simple process but for folks. I guess it's absent a lot of personal information. Correct. Like it's not going to ask me my heart rate and things like that. No, it's completely confidential. Okay, all of the responses in it are completely confidential. But, but it's basically going to ask me my my impression like even it's the way i feel about my access to health care or my experience more than you know me having to pass a test and go you know oh i got a hundred on the test that's correct yes it's not it's not really specifically about your health okay now i understand we're getting there's a link that we'll you know make available to you i'll go ahead and tell you it's owensboroughealth.org slash twin lake survey it's very easy to find but not everyone in the world is tech savvy, or maybe they don't feel comfortable in doing the survey. Is there an option for those folks that want to go analog? There is. Um, you can you can go old school. We have hard copies of the survey available at the hospital in the front the front registration area. So okay. that is an option for for folks. If you, I, I and I would be remiss. Um, I asked you about the three years ago, or the one from, I guess, 2018 technically was the year. Were there some things in looking back at 2018 that stood out a lot, just for those of us who are kind of interested in in scoreboarding and knowing what things were important to people in Grayson County three years ago? Sure. Um, so there are a number of, of inform- number of different topics you gather from the survey, but there were four kind of general uh, areas of focus that we identified in 2018, and those included... Uh, substance abuse, mental health, community health, education, and uh, childhood health. I would imagine, it's funny, the two that you mentioned are the two that probably saw great, great growth, I guess, negative, in a negative way, growth throughout the course of the, through the pandemic. So, uh, does the new survey have to capture different needs now than the previous ones, or would you would it make sense if they line up exactly correct or it, the same? Yeah, it doesn't have to capture different. It, it may honestly, it could capture the exact same same topics. Um, it, it's that's you know that's part of the 
the purpose of doing it every three years is you, it gives you a chance to reassess and identify what your current needs are, but they, they may be the same as they were three years ago. So the survey tells a story. Um, or the sort the the survey gives you the data points that help tell a story. Then what do you take with that data? What's the next step? What do you do? So the next step after the survey and after the assessment is you finalize a report. Um, and and that report kind of compiles everything together along with the results of the survey, um, the um, community groups, the focus groups, and the personal interviews. And you combine that with some public health information, and that's where CEDIC. Uh, plays a part, and they they help us compile this report. And then from that, we're able to work with the Population Health Committee to really develop a strategic strategic plan and how we kind of move forward with that information. While I have you, and, you know, we we hadn't – this was not part of our talking points or things that we needed to address, but I would be silly if I didn't gain your perspective as an administrator how much admiration – have um, has developed in you in the way that your colleagues over the last two to three years have approached their their profession? You know, um, the last two years for all of healthcare industry has been incredibly challenging. And I can tell you that I, it, I can't say enough about how proud I am of the team that we have at the hospital and how they – come in every single day and, and they make that, that sacrifice and they do that um, by choice. And it's it's just the resilience of the team to, to keep going through COVID. I mean, we don't know what the next day brings as far as COVID. We've seen that. We've gone through multiple surges. But at the end of the day, you know, they're always, always there and they're always uh, there to serve our community and take care of, of the patients that we have. And, and for that, I'm very grateful for the team that we have. Yeah. And I, the thing I heard you say there, Ashley, by choice, mm-hmm. every, everyone who shows up on, you know, they're not in the military where they've enlisted and they have to come there, but they made a pledge and they took an oath. And even in the good times and the bad times, they're there doing the work every day. I know you've even seen people come out of retirement, you know, people who maybe recently left the profession of working in healthcare that came back because their community needed them. It has to make it a little bit easier for you to walk through the door every day, knowing that you're working around people like that. It does. It does. Um, I, again, just incredibly proud of, of the team that we have here at the hospital and, uh, uh, it's it's a it's a true joy to to work with with uh, alongside this team every day. Now on happier times, I would think that this intersection where you are with this transition with uh, you know Owensboro Health and and the local facility and the assessment and hopefully recovering from our you know, humanity being beaten down the last couple of years, I I would imagine there has to be also an optimism and on the horizon seeing some really brighter days and some new in innovative things in community service. So I think you have to be optimistic right now, too. I am. I am. I'm very optimistic as we move forward into 2022. There are a lot of very exciting things going on within the industry. And I think you have to look at the uh, the the fact that COVID has pushed us in different directions that I'm not sure we would have we would have gotten to quite li- quite as quickly as we, we have. Um, so it is exciting. And I do think that the timing of this survey is is great, that it gives us an opportunity to get that perspective from our community as we head into 2022. And um, on the heels of a couple of really challenging years, I am optimistic as we as we move forward. OwensboroHealth.org slash Twin Lakes Survey is where you will find the information that you need. One last appeal to people to participate. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I will say that so far we have had about 450 surveys uh, returned. Um, that's, a, that's a very good number for us. We're yeah. very pleased with that number. The survey stays open through February 25th. Um, we're very confident at this point that we're going to be able to get more surveys completed than we had in 2018. So that was kind of our, our unofficial goal going into this. And obviously the more folks that participate, I think the better picture we get of uh, the health needs of our community. Very good. Hey, thank you for your leadership. I appreciate what you do every day to improve the lives of Grayson Countyans around you. Thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's Ashley Harrington, the CEO of Owensboro Health Twin Lakes Medical Center. Got to get to a break. We'll come back. Got more on the way here on In the Know. Gong, gong, 
gone, gone, gone so long. I gone, 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 she been gone so long. She been gone, gone, gone so long. I gone, 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 she been gone so long. She been gone, gone, gone so long. I gone, 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 she been gone so long. I gone, gone, gone so long. Women blink nearly twice as often as men. I can't come up with what scientific reason there would be. Well, I don't know why either, but I blink a lot. You do? Well, well that's because yeah. you got so, such long, beautiful eyelashes. Oh, yeah, that's And it. you're always mm-hmm. blinking. Lots of and, mascara. And you're making sure that your eyes are, um, you know, moisturized <laughs> and, you know, making sure, like, that they're clean. And that's because that's the purpose of, <laughs> of closing your eyes and make sure you get rid of the dust. And, and they're like windshield wipers. But why would men need to do that? Are we keeping you up, Sam? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So, yep. need to take if you need to take a nap during the break, you just, just let us know. Uh, you I, can do I, that. I can always almost always take a nap. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, we're good. So, we're good. But does that make sense on why women would blink more often? I mean, maybe we have more stuff on our eyes. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that's well, what it is. And like, you have the pain of looking at us all day, right? Well, I, and like who monitors that? Like who does the numbers? Here's the the greatest regret I have. We. We just had someone who leads a healthcare organization in the building, and I should have posed this question to her because maybe she she would have maybe. a scientific answer as to why. The weekend box office Scream has dethroned Spider Man with a thirty five million dollar debut. Scream is winning the long MLK Junior holiday weekend at the box office with a projected four day gross of thirty five million dollars, enough to dethrone Spider Man. No way home. Again, I was very surprised to know that this was coming out in the middle of January. It just doesn't seem like a middle of January kind of movie. It makes me wonder if they had it or if the chronology of their timeline was initially this. Like, did they? There gets to be a point where they've got so much money invested in it that if they got paused, they can't. They can't bridge the gap to next Halloween season. So they got to go ahead and put it out there mm-hmm. and take their, you know, take their haircut. Well, I mean, obviously it's successful. Yeah, I mean, well, is it? I mean, these days, $35 million is good, but... I'd take $35 million. Three years ago. Well, not if you had invested 50 <laughs> you Well, if, if I make 35 this weekend, <laughs> then i got to make at least 10 next. Maybe. That's, that, that might work out. Uh, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Look back on the weekend. It was an okay. It was an okay episode. Uh, the Elmo bit was pretty funny. The Elmo and Rocco bit on Weekend Update. The the uh, actress there playing Elmo. She had Elmo's voice. I name. saw that there was some. Uh, Elmo was throwing some shade on Twitter. Yeah. about Rocco. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, but they did this parody promo. It has struck me as odd. This Peacock promo about Bel Air. So it's the Fresh Prince origin story, but it's not a sitcom. It's Will Smith's vision of if the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air had been a drama, that's what it would be. And which is a little puzzling because Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is a beloved sitcom. Don't go messing with it. Just leave just leave it like it is. So SNL did a parody that if the makers of Urkel, of Family Matters, if they had reimagined what Urkel would have been in a serious vein, and it was it was a pretty funny spoof. It was uh, like if Urkel, it shows him putting a gun like in the back of his jeans, and then he does his tag. Did I do that line? It was, it was pretty funny. Will Forte will host Saturday Night Live with the musical guest Mainskin. This weekend, I don't know. I know you're you're a big main skin. Have any idea what that is? I, is that classical music? I, I I don't know. It could be electronic dance music for all I know. Prince's estate is worth a reported one hundred fifty six million dollars in a final valuation, which puzzled me greatly. How the, much? One hundred fifty four million dollars huh. with an M. Would have thought it'd been a is little it more. Is it empty? That's made me wonder. Is like how 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 is Prince? How is Prince's estate worth $156.4 million when Bruce Springsteen recently sold his catalog for a half a billion dollars? Mm-hmm. Tina Turner recently sold her catalog for a tremendous amount of money as well, not a half a billion dollars. Isn't, and then, isn't that about what John Legend got for his He catalog? got a bunch. Uh-huh. He got he got more than you would thought that he would have got. 
So then how is it that Prince has a paltry $154 million? Mm-hmm. Well, I heard a hypothesis, a caller to the Rick and Bubba show today, after they were wondering, like, how is it only $154 million? Said, if you go back and you remember the era where Prince changed his name to a symbol due to his dispute with Sony, it may indicate how much of Prince's catalog, as we know it, is already owned by someone else. Mm-hmm. And so there's some ADBC line mm-hmm. in the Prince career where oh. after that he owns, before that someone else owns, and it's why his estate is only worth $156 million. That would start to make sense. That's a decent hypothesis. Yeah. I, un, until I hear a better theory, that's the one I'm going to go with, that it has something to do with his disagreement with Sony Music Company back in the, was the late 90s that, that that happened, there, where he was the artist formerly known as Prince mm-hmm. for a while. And then um, this headline, it was a sad weekend. It was bad to lose Joe B. Hall, of mm-hmm. course. But then I was saddened to learn that um, we lost Ralph Emery as well. Ralph Emery, who became known as the dean of country music uh, broadcasters, even more than a half century in both radio and television, he passed uh, Saturday at the TriStar Centennial Medical Center in Nashville at age 88. So when I heard of this passing, it's funny. I had, I had not read any news article. I had not read. I immediately thought about um, about Ralph Emery. My grandparents, my, the Buckles, Gladys and Reno, loved Ralph Emery. He was always on when I was at their house. And then the next thing I thought, Ralph Emery was the Johnny Carson of country music and because of his show. And so I just thought that. He's the, he's the Johnny Carson. And I read right here in this story, he was known as the Johnny Carson of country music. So rest in peace, Ralph Emery. Got to get to a break. We'll come back with more here on In the Know. For today, Get up what's the best smell in the world? Oh dear, I have an immediate answer. I wonder if you're going to take my answer. All right, what's your answer? Beach club. Oh no, that's not my answer. Oh, that is that is a great smell. Freshly baked cookies. That's she's speaking of the beach club resort at Walt Disney World. That's what she's. It has a distinct, and our house sometimes smells like that too because they sell candles. That smell like it. You said freshly baked cookies. cookies. My answer is going to surprise you. I, and I don't know. Th- this came to mind. I was running through. So is it, you know, some people like fresh mown grass. Uh, farmers maybe like the smell of manure because that's the smell of money. Um, so, so, some do. Clothes being ironed, bacon frying, coffee, fresh bread, the ocean, Christmas trees. I love, I know it's crazy. I love the smell of baby magic. Or baby powder. Yes, I know this about you. I love so something specific about the smell of baby magic. What is baby magic? It's in the pink Johnson & Johnson. Is it just like baby powder? It's, it's lotion. Lotion. Oh, lotion for babies. Okay. Like, because, you know, a lot of people talk about how good babies smell anyway. What's well, the baby magic? There's a very, there's a, you, I know it immediately when I smell it. And I don't know, I mean, I'm not that, I'm not baby crazy, but there's something about baby magic. I love the smell of it. So are you, when the Bengals make the Super Bowl, are you going to break that out since that's made in Cincinnati, Mm. P&G company? You have to make the house smell I don't like know baby that magic. Baby magic is actually made there. I may the P and G might P&G have P is Cincinnati company. Though. They they might be a Cincinnati company, uh-huh. but unless it's made, and you in... can even throw some Tide pods on the side too. Mm, no, <laughs> we Although do not I'd, use Tide in it, our house. Would baby magic cologne be available for a, a man in his fifties? I that... think uh, we've got Cincinnati connections, right? <laughs> uh, on television tonight, ESPN and ABC have the final. Super wild card game. 
Peyton and Eli, too, I think. Oh, yeah. And so I guess that's what, ESPN, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, Tex-Mex at, at uh, Correct. Pacific yes. Asian Rim food. So Cardinals at Rams. Should be a good game, but I think the Rams win. Probably. But you say the Saturday schedule is set already. Every game has the for next weekend so, have been set. So the winner of tonight's game is when? Sunday. Okay. Because they can't play them on yeah, Saturday because they can't turn around and play them. Mm-hmm. Too quick of a turnaround. Correct. Well, it was a concession on their part. You know, you didn't quite know that you were going to be there. You were going to draw it. But some team, two teams were going to end up in a bad spot having to play tonight and then a short week anyway, mm-hmm. even to get ready by. That's one of the bad things about that playing Monday night game, it cuts both ways. You're on Monday night football, so the nation is watching, but then you your schedule is messed up for the rest of the week. Uh, Bravo has the season six premiere of Summer House, and on BET, Becoming Michelle Obama in Conversation. So I looked it up. She gave the commencement in 2013 at EKU. Okay. I have really no memory of that. Flobama gave the commencement at EKU in, in when? 2013. 2013. All right. Good for her. So Good. you were asking, had she been to Kentucky? So yes, I guess. And that, would, I would say, would be in her official capacity. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good for, good for the colonels. Today's highlight in history. This date, 1961, President Eisenhower delivered his farewell address in which he warned against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military-industrial complex. Hmm. All right. In 1917, Denmark ceded the Virgin Islands to the United States for $25 million. I've heard it's nice there. Shout out to Duffy's Love Shack. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Have you all been there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In Red Hook over on uh, St. Thomas. And so. Would you go back? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I will tell you, though, you better get used to driving on the other side of the road. And well, being a passenger on the other side as well. Oh, I mean, if I've you're a nervous person, when my uncle came from South Africa, one of the first times this is he always has to adjust because I remember he he got on our luckily it was our back street in our neighborhood and started driving up the left side of the road and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Well, this guy just took off and like busy and oh yeah, he he did it well. I was a little bit nervous. <laughs> it is the hardest part. Driving driving on the wrong side of the road is one thing. Turning in and out, though, like when you turn from the road into a road, you're going to the other side on your turns. It That's a little unsettling. But <laughs> Follow the mask. It's fun once you get used to it. You know, it's, it's it's Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all right. But, yeah, uh, Duffy's Love Shack. Uh, great place there. In uh, St. Thomas. In 1966, the Simon and Garfunkel album Sounds of Silence was released by Columbia Records. We didn't sing Love Shack at Duffy's Love Shack, though. They weren't doing karaoke when when we were there. Don't you have to sing Love Shack if you're at Duffy's Love Shack? You would think. If we go back, maybe we can try it. Maybe. Maybe. James Earl Jones is 91 today. The voice of Darth Vader. Mari Povich is 83. Steve Earle is 67. It's a big day for famous Steves. Steve Harvey is 65. I'm your man, Steve Harvey. Got another good one for you today. I, tell whether, I don't know how old I would have guessed he was. I don't know that I would have thought he was 65. Yeah, Steve Harvey is 65. I guess just because he's looked the same for the past. Honey, I mean, do you like his new Judge show? I kind of do. It's good. Yeah, it's good. He just takes his Steve Harvey shtick, mm-hmm. and yeah. he just turns it into courtroom, you know, sh- it, it, hijinks. And it's good. It's 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 funny. He He's funny. Uh, Jim Carrey is 60 today. Whoa. Wow. Jim Carrey, 60. That's it? Michelle Obama is 58. Damn, she's getting a lot of mentions today. Yeah, she is. Kid Rock is 51. Zoe Deschanel is 42. And Dwayne Wade is 40 today. Gone but not forgotten. Listen, this is a big week. This is a big day for birthdays, and it's not even MLK's birthday that we're celebrating today. Oh, I know one you're getting ready to mention too. B- Benjamin Franklin was born in 1706. Oh, wow. Al Capone was born in 1899. Betty White was born in 1922. No, don't you put that in gone, up, gone but not forgotten. <laughs> That's not fair. It's too soon. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, she. We should have been celebrating her 100th birthday today. Eartha Kitt was born in 1927. Vidal Sassoon in 1928. 
Muhammad Ali in 1942. Wow. Those all fall on January the 17th. That's a big day. That is a big day of birthdays. Jim Carrey, Betty White, and Muhammad Ali. Steve Harvey. (laughs) Come on. Memories are made of this. Dean Martin in 1956. It's a little slow. I'm the only one who likes Dean Martin, apparently. I mean, he's he's fine. I just... 1965. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. We call her Petula in Great Britain, though, where she became really, I think she's from Great Britain. Is she Petula? Or she? She's not. But Petula is a very American pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't she be Petula? Petula Clark. I don't know. Well, ask someone. You have people. Nineteen seventy-four. <laughs> that I have any family left there. I think I do have a cousin, little baby duck. But I'm not sure that I've ever met her. Old pickup trucks, slow-moving train. Fellow Kentuckian and rain. The late great Tom T. Hall and I love little country streams. Country stream. Let's go to nineteen eighty-three. What I don't know during this Thriller album when it came out was Michael Jackson working for Paul McCartney then or was Paul McCartney working for Michael Jackson because Michael Jackson owned the Beatles catalog for a while. Mm -hmm. So was this part of the... I don't think you could... They're they're their own person. You work for me, so uh you have to come be on my song. I mean, he was also on Say, Say, Say. Mm -hmm. So... And then, of course, you know, don't forget Michael Jackson, the third most famous person of all time, bar none. Color Me Bad, number one in 1992. Then in 2001, Shaggy was number one. It's a big defense song. Oh, man, you didn't play nearly enough of that. <laughs> you know, your, your young eyes don't need to be watching the video. Oh, well, that's, that, why, that is true. that's why I cut away from it, Sam. You're too young to see that video. Kesha, number one in 2010, and Halsey, number one, 2019, without me. Does she get rights for the app now from this song? Like, did you, was that a thing? Like, I don't know that TikTok was a thing when she, when she Oh, yeah, that's a good song. question. Did who who... Who Not borrowed only. from who on that? Chicken be, before the egg? Be a good question. Um, so I've got I've got a Ben Franklin quote on my board today, so I gave credit to him, but I'll credit MLK with my pearl of wisdom for today. Uh, and it's funny that this uh, MLK quote kind of goes along with the sermon about uh, that uh, we had yesterday about darkness, about you know getting stepping in the light, you know being in the light. MLK said, "Darkness cannot drive out darkness." Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. MB's Pearl of Wisdom for today. Remember, God loves you, and I do too. If you don't know Jesus, let me know, and I'll introduce you. Look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow for another edition of our show. For Sam Gormley, for B, I'm MB, and now you're in the know.